Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have as our guest, Dan Byrne. Being compared to Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie is one thing, and lots of musicians have borne that lofty burden. But it's entirely another to live up to the reasons Dylan and Guthrie can be referred to with a single name. Modern-day troubadour Dan Byrne has earned a place at the grown-up songwriter's table many times over. He's prolific, having written hundreds of songs. His deft use of language spans from seemingly tossed-off simple songs in which his incisive wit cuts right through the pretensions of lesser writers, to political parables and revelatory personal reflections, all of which are delivered with a captivating but affable stage presence. He has released nearly 20 albums since he got his start in the mid-1990s and continues to write and perform all over the country. His latest release is an eight-song collection of songs about Hanukkah called, appropriately, Hanukkah Songs. Byrne thankfully avoids the typical egregious sins of musical excess that plague many Christmas albums and instead delivers a handful of short, simple songs that serve as a sort of primer for the Festival of Lights. Traditional Jewish foods and rituals, some religious history lessons, family recollections, a whimsical take on the various spellings for the holiday, and the tale of a Jewish trucker who spends his Hanukkah at Waffle House restaurants while traveling around the American South are all given the same stripped-down acoustic folk treatment. You won't hear a lot of Hanukkah songs while shopping at the mall this holiday season, but all the artists who release schlocky Christmas albums year after year could learn a lot from Byrne's perfect mix of whimsy, heart, and wit. Welcome to Independence Day, Dan Byrne. Well, thanks, Joe. It's, uh, it's good to be here, for sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you, and it's a pleasure to have you during the Hanukkah season, man. Uh, you know, we, we kind of strike while the iron's hot. I got <laughs> wind that you had this record coming out, sent out a call right away. I mean, you're a guy that I kind of had on my list anyway, just because you're a guy that would fit right in on this show. Um, but, uh, you know, what a, what a great way to get you under such short notice. So thank you for being willing to do this, you know, right after the holiday weekend. Oh, here. for sure. So tell me why a Hanukkah album now, I guess, is my first question. Well... As they say, if not now, when, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You know, through the years, people you know, people do their Christmas records, and um, people have even said to me, hey, man, let's do a Christmas record. And uh, you know, I thought about it and never really did it, and then suddenly, actually a friend of mine said, well, why don't you do a Hanukkah record? And, um, and it seemed like, well, yeah, why not do a Hanukkah record? So these songs... Uh, these songs came up and um, bang, there they were. Eight of them. Obviously fitting in with the Hanukkah theme, the number of songs matching the day. So it's like one per day, right? Isn't that the idea? You could do it that way, yeah. You know, you could you could <laughs> do it one per day. Or you could like do the whole Hanukkah miracle and have them all at once. <laughs> Indeed, man. Yeah, you know, in my family, you know, it's it's or in my household, it's not terribly religious, but man, do I love that Vince Guaraldi Charlie Brown Christmas record. Yeah. I must spin that thing incessantly from like sundown on Thanksgiving until like New Year's Day. Yeah. Did you grow up with a lot of faith in your house? Well, I wouldn't say, you know, I, I mean it was sort of underlying. Um, you know, I knew I knew where my parents came from, I and mean, we, we grew up in a small town in the middle of Iowa, and it was like, you know, it was me and my sister as far as being Jewish in our yeah. school. Um, 
Um, but you know, I I knew I knew certainly where um, where we were from and came from, and and we had some of the traditions. And um, yeah, yeah, it's funny. I I never actually learned. Uh, exactly how to play the dreidel game i always sort of knew you know a little bit but i, I couldn't like sit down and play it and uh, same yeah. same with making latkes and and this and that and and then with these songs i suddenly know these things so we're playing dreidel and like you know it's become sort of a gambling <laughs> yeah. problem around the house and yeah. uh you know i made i made my first latkes from scratch just just using the recipe in the song so I, I guess I had to test it out. Like, does this stuff really work? But it works. Yeah. So did you did you have to you know with things like that that are you know traditions that go back you know millennia? Did you have to learn how to play the dreidel game so you could write the song properly? Um. Yeah. Pretty much. You know. It, as I say, I, I kind of knew the the basic premise, but I I didn't actually know exactly how to do it. And so, you know, it takes about. A minute and a half to learn yeah. it, to learn what what it is. Yeah, it's and a kid. It, it's you know. a kid's game, right? So it's not super complicated. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's meant to sort of keep everybody engaged, and you're not you're not sitting around. Even when you're not the one spinning, you know, you put you put your raisin or your nut or whatever in the pot. You know, it goes up. Put a raisin or a nut or no, put a penny or a nut or a raisin in the pot. If it spin the dreidel, if it's noon, yeah. you do nothing. You do not. You know. And that kind of gives the yeah, how to do it. And so, but but the record, you know, your record serves as like a, a primer for these sorts of things. Like if you if you want to know what it's like to to kind of be, you know, Jewish in a simple way without having to get schlocky about it, it's 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 perfect. Well, and then there's you know there's one sort of sad and mournful one about you know nostalgia and uh, remembering Hanukkahs of of you know, earlier ones where maybe you're missing some people now. And, yeah. um, you know, of course, there's the the one about the the trucker, the trucker <laughs> in the yeah, south, of you know, the Jewish trucker who's like, you yeah. know, looking for his Hanukkah anywhere and he finds it at the Waffle House. Uh <laughs> What I like about it is you, you've struck that tone. Like they're they're simple songs. Let's, there's there's not a lot of you know ornamentation. There's not a lot of you know overdubbing of instruments. You've got some violins. You've got your voices. You've got a little bit of background vocals. But mostly it's your voice and acoustic guitar. That's I mean it's slightly unadorned. Um, but you do you know you cover a lot of ground with that. Even even in the short album with the eight tunes. So tell me this, man. You know there's the there's the famous story of uh, Mel Torme. You know the author of the Christmas song. You know one of the most played songs in history. Definitely, I think it's the most played Christmas song. He wrote that song in a apparently a blisteringly hot summer. You know, so they had to when they wrote that way back then, way back when they had to, you know, kind of imagine it was you know summer hot. So they had to kind of get in that headspace where they could write a Christmas song with all those images. Mm when it was hot I mean when how long ago did you start writing these songs was this something that you kind of hammered out pretty quickly or was this something you did in, on a hot day or while you were <laughs> touring around the way it was was you know all all year I thought in the back of my mind I thought well you know I'm going to write a Hanukkah record and then I thought well I don't know if I'm going to get to it this year but you know and then I happened to look at a calendar toward the end of November 
And I suddenly realized, because I thought, well, you know, because sometimes Hanukkah's around Christmas. Some, you know, it moves around. So right. I just figured, well, I have time. And then I thought, oh, man, it starts on Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving was about yeah. a week away. So uh-huh. so I, I wrote them all in a, a little afternoon. That's kind of why they're quick and simple and to the point, I think. It sometimes... You might find this too. Sometimes when you got a little time pressure, it, it, um, yeah, you know, it it compresses everything and it 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 lets you not get too fancy with anything. So um, I suppose one can make too much of this, but uh, you know, I sort of likened it just for myself to just you know, in the Hanukkah thing, they were they're all about. You know, compressed time, and they didn't know if the one, right. how long the one bit of oil was going to last. You know, so it's like get your, right, get your stuff done. So it kind of felt like kind of appropriate that it, it would just like happen real fast. Well, that's just it. You know, like you said, you mentioned it as as time pressure, but there's another way to look at it too, which is that you, when you do something, whether it's an actual an actual deadline or a self imposed deadline, um, it keeps you from overthinking things. You know, there's, you know, there's like the, I call it the Steely Dan, uh, like Sex Pistols continuum or like Ramones continuum where on one side you've got Steely Dan who takes like five years to make a record because they agonize over the mic placement of every Tom Tom mic. And then you've got the other, you know, the other like the punk ethos or aesthetic where you go in and you barely even know the songs and you just blast through (laughs) them and there's your album. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what I'd rather listen to. Yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, the artists, you know, all artists kind of exist somewhere on that continuum. You know, there's those are the two extremes, of course. That's what we used. To, I used to define this kind of thing. But you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, raw is kind of the dopey word to use for it. But it's the word where it's it's either self-imposed pressure. You're just not going to overthink it. You're going to go in and trust your instincts and make you know make the best music you can make at that time. And what will be will be. It does good things because when you, oh, I think when your brain gets in the way of your heart, uh, it can really, can really muddle you up. You mm-hmm. know? No, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, sometimes you have to trick yourself a little bit into, yeah. into just not overthinking. And then sometimes you're sort of, as you say, given the gift of not having the time to overthink. You know, I, I, probably some of the great newspaper articles were written on, you know, mad deadline yeah well I, I can assure you man working in the news business that you know if you can't do it quickly you might as well just go home because you know that that time that news breaks is just that gap has closed and it's smaller and smaller and smaller yeah. from the time when somebody shoots up it's awful news most of the time which is the sad thing yeah um but you know on the other side i mean you know they've got so much time to fill so now you've got so many talking heads just <laughs> it's craziness man Anyway, my guest tonight on Independence Day is Mr. Dan Byrne. Uh, where where are you based these days, Dan? I know you're in the East Coast right now. Are you are you ba- you're kind of a troubadour? But are you, where do you call home? Where do you hang your hat? Well, mostly it's in Los Angeles. This fall, I'm in uh, I'm in the East all fall, and you move around so some somewhere around there. Yeah, perspective is a good thing. I mean, I always found you know the more I travel, I get really inspired when I'm off seeing different things. It's kind of like when I'm, I'm working on an album, I'll borrow someone else's guitar because, you know, my guitar, like Tom Waits says, you know, your hands are like old dogs. They'll just do the same things over and over and over again, and they will run the same trails. 
But if I borrow someone else's guitar, I mean, it's the same tuning, the same six strings, but something about having a different instrument just inspires me to write different things. And mm. places, of course, are like that as well. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe being in a colder climate helped, you know, <laughs> inspire some of these tunes for Hanukkah songs. Well, that's probably true, yeah. And yeah, because, you know, I grew up yeah. in, uh, in the Midwest, and that was cold this time of year. So it, it, yeah, it was probably good, yeah. So were you, you said you have one sister, you said? I do, yeah. Were you like the only Jewish kids around? I mean, I know Joel and Ethan Cohen, the filmmakers, you know, who, uh, you know, did Raising Arizona and Fargo and all those great movies. Uh, they're from Minneapolis, and they kind of talk about that kind of, that like Jewish isolation as well, because they always felt like outsiders, you know, in an area that's largely, I think, Lutheran up in the, you know, Minnesota area. Mm. Did, were you the, like the only Jewish kids in town? Well, pretty much. Yeah, it was a really small town. My dad taught uh, piano at the college that was in the town. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, it was, I mean, at the time, you know, you don't really, it's just how it was, you know, you don't, I was surprised, yeah. I was surprised when I went to cities later and there were, you know, lots of, Lots of Jewish people. It's like, it seemed really strange <laughs> not to be the only ones. Well, you know, there's so many musicians I've found, you know, for in one way or another, um, there's an element of being an outsider, you know, no matter what it is, you know, they're feeling different from other people. You know, Patterson Hood from Drive-By Truckers is an example I can think of. He's from, you know, North Alabama, Muscle Shoals area, where... You know, football is a religion in the American Southeast. You know, it's second perhaps only to religion itself. And, you know, even though he's a big guy, you know, I think he's over six feet, he never was terribly into football, you know. And, you know, a lot of those kids turn to music because they're either skinny and they're getting beat up because they're not into what the rest of the kids are into. Um, but, you know, there's something that casts them as an outsider, um, you know, I mean, and maybe it's not just faith. You know, faith might be something, you know, too simplistic for that. But um, do you think that had any role in you, you know, going into music as a profession? Well, I mean, going into music as a profession, I think, is just sort of a byproduct of whatever is earlier, which is wanting to write songs and wanting to, okay, you know, somehow put your what's going on into these odd little packages you know um yeah. i've thought about this from time to time and uh, i don't know what else i would have done really um yeah <laughs> my, um, you know my dad was a a great classical musician from the old european school and um you know my mom was a poet among other things and um but being, you know, a kid in Iowa, I didn't, I didn't really want to do those. What seemed, yeah. what what came to seem like very sort of formal, stodgy uh, f ways of expressing yourself. But I suppose, you know, yeah. give, you know, with the with the help of unbelievable amounts of influences that are available here. When you turn on the radio, start listening to records, it comes out the way it does. The world was a smaller place back, you know, when we were kids, I think, because, you know, there was no internet to let you know that there were, you know, legions of Jewish kids elsewhere 
or legions of other musicians elsewhere, or people who, you know, as, as isolating as, as the internet can make us feel or technology can make us feel sometimes, it also, you know, it binds us together. It's like the force, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, you can reach out and find other people like you on the internet, and that just really wasn't something that was an option for kids. Yeah, you know, up until the really, you know, the nineties. Yeah. So it's. I it's have really to changed, say, I, you know? I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret. I guess I'm I'm glad I grew up in a non-internet world, cause yeah, you know, as much as right now it it might, and and probably does make it easier to do a whole lot of things that. That I'm glad I can do, um, you know. It does have a way of flattening everything out, at least for me. Um, when you when you used to get a letter, it could smell a certain way, you know. It yeah. could. Um, it might be decorated. It might. Uh, you know, somebody's yeah. somebody's handwriting. You got to know their handwriting. That was a thing. You know. And now yeah. everything is a little bit. A little bit um, flattened. Every the medium kind of tends to equalize everything. Yeah, I, it, it kind of homogenizes things. You know, like you said, the idea of an of a paper letter, an analog letter. I mean, that not only has information from a person, but it's actually physically from a different place. It traveled that you know, not just virtually through you know, you know, electrons, yeah. you know, digitally ones and zeros. That's an actual piece of paper that was a tree. That letter. <laughs> at one point was alive and the person then took it you know they bought it and they wrote on it and they sent it to you and they took the time to do that you know i feel you know one of my regrets i mean technology is great it's allowed me to do and all of us to do so many amazing things but it's taken some things away too it's kind of de-romanticized a lot of our lives i think um and the thing is i mean you can lament that all you want that time passing but it's gone you know, things have changed. You can hold on to the old ways. We can still write letters. We still have a post office, at least as of the end of 2013, we do. And, you know, so you can participate in that to the extent that you want to. But it's just, you know, the, the, way, that, the, the way that it was is no more. <laughs> and we can, we can cry about it or we can get on with it, I guess, <laughs> is our two options. Yeah. Uh, anyway, my guest tonight on Independence Day, Dan Byrne, he is a troubadour. I might go so far as to call him a hardcore troubadour, not in the sense that he himself is hardcore. Uh, he's got a brand new album. It's called Hanukkah Songs, eight songs for the Hanukkah, Hanukkah experience, Hanukkah holiday, and happy holiday to all my Jewish friends out there in the world. He's on Independence Day. He's going to play us some songs a little bit later, but first let's hear a track from that record. This is the song Waffle House Hanukkah, Dan Byrne on Independence Day. I'm a long-haul trucker Traveling across the south Spending my Hanukkah At the Waffle House Each night after sundown I find myself stopping And each night on my hash browns I get one more topping The shamus is my scattered The first night they get smothered The second night they're covered The third night they get chunked the fourth night they get diced The fifth night they get peppered Sixth night cat, seventh top Eighth night they get country I 
parking lot I always dance the horror The toppings on my hash browns That's my Hanukkah menorah From Shreveport to St. Louis Nashville, New Orleans El Paso to Las Cruces I got dreidels in my dreams The name of Judah Maccabee Is carved into my belt I stay awake with coffee and chocolate Hanukkah gelt The shamus is my scatter First night they get smothered Second night they're covered Third night they get chunked Fourth night they get diced Fifth night they get peppered Sixth night cat, seven top Eighth night they get country Sixth night cat, seven top Eighth night they get country Dan Byrne here on Independence Day. You can learn about everything you want to know about him at danbyrne.com. Pretty traditional spelling, D-A-N-B-E-R-N. Also find him on Facebook, facebook.com slash dan.byrne. And follow him on Twitter at danbyrnehq, as in short for headquarters. So you've got this brand new Hanukkah album out, Hanukkah songs, that you pretty much threw together wouldn't sound right. Um, but you put it together fairly quickly. Did you, do you tend to record these kinds of things at home? Do you have like a home studio you do these things in? Uh, I recorded that at a studio in Woodstock at my good friends Mike and Ruthie's place. Okay. Um, and uh, they actually do a lot of recording there. They recorded the Ducks, all, a lot of stuff there. You know, Ruthie's a great fiddler and, and uh, ukulele player and a great singer and Mike's a great banjo player, among other things, and so it was. It was a nice place to do this. It just uh, as you said, yeah. we didn't have to do any overdubs. It's just boom. It's, Is it completely live? I overdubbed one whistle. Okay. I wanted to. I wanted to have two whistlers, so I added. Uh-huh. I added a whistle. Yeah. One point. Yeah, the harmony, the harmony whistle part, right? Yeah. Recording, it's so crucial, I've found, to do that in a comfortable environment because I feel like it really does bleed into the music. You know, you can, you can almost hear if the musicians are, you know, steely danning it or mm-hmm. if they're making real live music. And I know there's lots of steely dan fans out there, and that's great. You know, that's great for those people. But, <laughs> you know, when, for this kind of music that's real and immediate... Uh, you know, an intimate. You just lost fifty listeners. <laughs> well, I guess now my my Dan, my last two listeners will have to bear with me. Then. <laughs> don't don't take away my fifty of my fifty two. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I mean, you're you're a very very prolific writer. Do you have any idea, uh, like how many songs you've completed? Because you started kind of in the mid '90s or so. Do you have any idea how many are, are complete? Well, I started before that. That's just when I started putting out records on okay. on uh, labels that you would have known. Um, somebody said that I had between three and 5,000. I don't know. Maybe, Good Lord Almighty. So maybe. Wow. The, that, that's almost a redefining of the word prolific, man. You know, Dylan's prolific. You know, he's a guy that, you know, you're compared to quite a bit. And I'm sure, you know, maybe you're tired of the comparisons, but he's another guy that's kind of a troubadour uh, who's out there and he's written, you know, people follow him around and they've, ca- and they've cataloged every single thing he's done. So if somebody's cataloging the fact that you've got 
geez, over even 2,000 songs or 1,000 songs. I mean, that's way more than most artists will ever do, even perform in their career. Um, is there, you know, so this is, have you written other Hanukkah songs before, or is this the first time you've put them in a compendium of the holiday? I think so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think I ever wrote Hanukkah songs before. So that was kind of cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you've done several albums. I don't want to call them concept albums because that gets all down the, like, the Yes and Early Genesis Road. But you've got a couple albums. You know, you've got an, an album that's essentially all baseball songs. Well, I did that one, yeah. Why approach, you know, music like that? Is it just kind of a songwriting exercise where, you know, when you write so prolifically, you're like, because I do that sometimes where I think, well, I'm going to write, you know, it's, it's, I can just, I can churn out brokenhearted songs all day long, like McDonald's makes McNuggets. I mean, do you have a methodology by which you go about that? Well, I don't. I mean, I, I guess the methodology is I never write a song about anything I don't want to write about. I don't have any great plan, any master, anything. I, it's one of the things I like, you know, and uh-huh. I'm not the only songwriter who writes baseball songs, and I'm obviously not the only writer who writes about baseball from time to time, um, but but I do, and so I had all these songs, and we, me and some guys I play with sometimes called Common Rotation, we had a chance to record a record up at um, San Rafael, California, Bob Weir Studio. Okay. And um, yeah, yeah. TRI, it's called. And we had just made an, a, another record that we'd worked on for a long time called Drifter. And, and so it's like, well, what should we record? So I had all these baseball songs, and it had sort of been talked about at some point, but it's like, well, let's do that. So, um, you know, there were seven of us in a big circle in this big studio watching each other and playing so that was that was fun after sort of chipping away at a record for a long time so um yeah i'm assuming you're a pretty big baseball fan then um i think compared to or am the, i assuming incorrectly well no compared to the average person yeah i i probably am who's your team um it slips and slides <laughs> depending on where i'm living <laughs> depending on i mean yeah. if if all things were taken away, if I was shot into space, uh, I would probably uh-huh. default back to the Giants because they're like my okay. boyhood and and much of my adult life team. But then I lived near Wrigley uh-huh. for a few years, so of course I was uh-huh. a Cubs fan. Whenever I'm in New York, I can't help follow the Yankees, and and I live yeah. uh, most of the time about a three-minute bike ride from Dodger Stadium. So uh-huh. you can draw your conclusions there. It's, well, it sounds to me, you know, and I've got other friends like this, and I myself am like this to a certain extent. Like, I'm a fan, you're, you know, like you're a fan of the game. I'm a fan of the game. I mean, there's, yeah, there's sports like, you know, the individual sports. People, um, they'll sort of shift their allegiances, you know, and follow this guy or follow that guy or that, you know that woman or though you know and it's more more common there with team yeah. sports people tend to dig in there and you know die with their those colors yeah. on so let's see you've got a guitar here you know we've been yammering a pretty good deal about a range of topics including the new record uh being from iowa being jewish from iowa so uh tell what you've got some tunes for us i mean out of these thousands upon thousands of songs which ones made the cut for us today huh. 
What's first at least? Well, first one is one, uh, you know, you you have these sort of what I call fall out of bed tunes, you know, tunes that you could just fall out of bed and play and not have to think too much. So yes. this, is, this is a pretty new tune that's one of those. It's called Hoodie. Dan Byrne here on Independence Day. Let's hear this, man. Heroes all got teleprompters I got a bucket of beer Stay out in your cornfield, mister We'll have a good time in here Got my GPS and my hoodie And my one guitar that stays in tune And if all goes well, I'll see you on the moon Sometimes your heroine's heroin Sometimes coffee, sometimes a girl Sometimes you gotta get away from something As far as you can in the world I've got my GPS and my hoodie And my one guitar that stays in tune And if all goes well, I'll see you on the moon See you in hell I'll see you in Texas See in my dreams, I see in the rain, I see in the rear view, I see on the radio, I see in the clubhouse in California. Never seen a barrier I could have gone around that I didn't just barrel through. To Alberta, I didn't know what else to do. I got my big old van and my rice cakes and my helium balloon. I hope you get my postcard from the Indiana dunes. I got my GPS and my hoodie and my one guitar that stays in tune. And if all goes well, I'll see you on the moon. If all goes well, I'll see you on the moon If all goes well, and it will, I'll see you on the moon My name is Joe Armstrong. His name is Dan Byrne. You can learn about this show at indepthday.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepthday. And of course, hear music from him and stories and other things at danburn.com. So, a brand new song. The song's called Hoodie. And you said you're working on a new record this is going to wind yeah. up on? When might, we, when might we see this? When? Yeah, ballpark. You know, is this something, you know, you're a guy, how, how far are you going to go with the self-imposed pressure this time? Is this something where you're going to be like, okay, this is going to be out in April? I mean, if you can do a Hanukkah record, writing and releasing it in about a week, you know, how long is it going to take you to do the next one? Well, the next one has taken a long, long time. Um, that's why doing a, a record in a week sometimes is feels great and kind of liberating. So, but this one's taken a long time, and uh, it's, it's I would say, 95% done. And uh, After the first of the year, I'm going to get back to L.A. and, and uh, circle the wagons on this one and get it done. So, yeah. yeah. 
What is your, what's your current label situation? I mean, are you beholden to someone to deliver your next album by a certain date? Or is this something that you're, you know, are you on a label no, right now? Nothing. So, you know, yeah. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, well, that last sentence you just said, man, that's key. You know, labels labels serve a different role than they used to. So not having a label, you know, used to be kind of a sign of illegitimacy, but now it's a sign of freedom, I think. Well, having been on them and not been on them, um, I don't know. They're certainly useful at times. Well, their role has changed, you know, and, and the labels that are doing well, or I mean, not counting the major majors, you know, you've got, you know, labels like New West and Lost Highway where, you know, they're kind of, their, their role has morphed into something else. So if you're not on a label, how are you financing records? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. Um, I've done a couple of those, not Kickstarter, just sort of more like on my own ones. Um, yeah. Where you like offer these little perks and write customized songs yeah. for folks and things like that. Um and that can that can that can be good. Um, it's been helpful, uh, but you know you can't you can't do a whole lot on that. It's not like uh, it's not like Columbia's yeah. cutting you a yeah. check for a hundred grand and you know go have at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's just it. You know, the nowadays when people are making albums, their their entire budget for their album. You know, might have been the catering budget for, uh, you know, I was going to say a Michael Jackson catering budget, but that's not even yeah. close to well, that. Well, I think what used to be a what used to be considered like a little demo budget, like here, go cut, go cut a few songs, and uh, yeah. you know, is now considered a, a you know an entire album budget. To go along with that, though, the cost of making a record has plummeted. Um, you know, you can do a record, you can do a great record for five grand, two grand sometimes, you know, especially if you own the gear. I mean, a lot of artists I know, you know, as the business has changed, have instead of, you know, taking that advance and going to, uh, you know, a very, you know, marquee studio, Capital Studios, they will buy, you know, they'll buy a Mac and an audio interface and a Pro Tools rig and they'll just do it themselves. I mean, how are you doing any recording on your own? Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I've... I'd say I probably pretty much do the gamut, you know. I do some on my own. I do some at the okay. little ones. I do some at the bigger ones. Uh, it's like whatever you can grab at the moment. Yeah, you know, in art, I think a lot of artists think that their art suffers for a lack of having, you know, they, they think, okay, if I, as soon as I get that piece of gear, I will, I, will, I will succeed. Or as soon as I get that new this or that new that. But, you know, art through the ages has been defined by its limitations. You know, how creative can you be given what you have? Um, and, you know, I, th I think you're an example of that. You know, you've got a national presence. You tour. Uh, you've got a fan base. I mean, if somebody's counting up all your tunes, man, you've got a fan base, you know, enough that you can go play in, in, in big cities and small cities and, and get out on the road and, and meet people. Yeah, so you, I mean, do you do international touring as well? Well, I haven't been back since my little girl was born that's she's four now but um okay. through the years i've i've done a lot over there and I, I really just in europe but um i i think i'm gonna go a couple times this this next year even so um yeah it's yeah. always it's always really good to to 
go do that. And some artists, you know, from my experience, especially artists kind of at, at this level, they almost have a better experience touring in Europe. I mean, I had someone on the show recently who said, man, I love touring in Europe. It's way better than the States. The audiences listen. Uh, you know, the, the venue owners, you know, get you nice food. They'll, you know, sometimes have a place for you to stay. Um, you know, I, I feel like in some ways, you know, they support music more overseas, you know, in Europe and in the UK than they do here. Have you found that to be the case? I would say that probably so, um, in a lot of cases. Um, sometimes it's just oddly still more part of their culture than than can seem like over here. Um, yeah. There, you know, even in Canada, I found that. Uh, well, they're a real they're a real yeah. singing, singing and playing and and instrument yeah. kind of culture. Uh, yeah, we were uh, we were bickering around my Thanksgiving table last week. Um, you know, how, you know, I, as the, you know, the musician at the table, you know, representing all musicians of all time anywhere, <laughs> um, was of the opinion that other societies do support it a little more, you know, some, you know, the UK and even in Canada, uh, you know, you can get grants from the government to do a record and they're not loans, they're grants where here in the States, you know, we're kind of thrown to the wolves, you know, it's competition and the best product wins. And, and it's not that, you know, those sorts of things are inherently bad, but I just really wish, you know, they, they, of course, my more libertarian friends disagreed with me. They thought I was insane. But, you know, I really do think that we, we say we support music here, but I don't think we support it as much as we think we do. Sadly as that sounds, it sounds very negative. Well, it's probably connected to, you know, it's just um, they're not afraid to so, sort of say, well, these are the things we value in a society and these are the things we're willing collectively to contribute to, you know, the arts. Um, yeah making sure that if somebody has a goiter on their neck, they can go and have somebody look at it. Things like that. Yeah. That'll bring me to my next couple questions, and then I just I would like to get another song in, if possible. Is, you know, you were, you were very vocal uh, during the, was it the 04 election? What was it that caused you to start, you know, start writing so many songs that were so very critical of, for example, <laughs> George W. Bush's administration? You know, I mean, I, I know I can tell you my laundry list, but what was it for well, you? Well, I guess I just thought he was, in that first term, he was, uh, him and his, mo- mo- you know, his his people, his administration was just doing a lot of damage, and it was um, a moment where we could actually see what was going on and had a chance to say that's not the course we we want to continue on in. And so it seemed like a moment to use the, you know, whatever um, stage I had to chirp, yeah. chirp about it. Well, you know, there's a long and storied tradition of folk singer types, and I'm going to throw you in there loosely, at least for this conversation, uh, you know, being critical of <laughs> the existing regime, the junta that's running the show. And boy, did it feel like a junta at the time, man. Just lost my other two listeners, I guess. <laughs> How about another tune, man? What do you got for us? Well, this one uh, people like to hear. Uh, it's called "God Said No." Um, at one time, I was I was writing a lot of songs about going back in time, and I think I was trying to sort of get it right in a sense. And uh, once I wrote this one, it felt pretty good, so I kind of stuck with this one. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, man. So this is uh, Dan Byrne. He's my guest on Independence Day, so very, very happy to have him spending some time with us here in our studio. Hope you're enjoying this. Drop by indepthday.com to hear this full interview and the songs from it as well. So, Dan Byrne, take it away. I met God on the edge of town Where the wind meets a stillness Where the darkness meets a light Where the ocean meets a sky Where the desert meets a rain Where the earth meets the heavens On the edge of town I met God I asked God Do one thing for me Send me back in time Send me to Seattle Let me go Find Kurt Cobain Take away his gun Take away his bullets Talk to him Make him wanna live Tell him how we love him Help him see his glory God said no if I sent you back If you really found him You would only ask him If he could Help you get a deal If he knows a lawyer If he can help you God said no God Do one thing for me Send me back in time Send me to Berlin Let me go Let me go find Hitler I will stalk him I will bring him down I will bring along A powerful gun Loaded with bullets Obliterate his memory God said no If I sent you back You would get caught up In theory and discussion You would let your fears Delay and distract you You would make friends You would take a lover God said no I asked God Do one thing for me Send me back in time Send me to Jerusalem Let me go Let me go find Jesus Let me save his life they try to kill him Let me take him down Down from the cross Take the iron from his body Try to heal his wounds God said no If I sent you back If you really found him Walking with the cross He would stare your tongue no longer working Eyes no longer seeing 
He's no longer hearing God said time Time belongs to me Time's my secret weapon My final advantage God turned away From the edge of town I knew I was beaten And then now was all I had God said no Once again, Dan Byrne here on Independence Day. Drop by danbyrne.com. Learn everything you need to know about him. He has got thousands of songs. You can go on the YouTube. He's got a YouTube channel as well to kind of document these things. So it's pretty easy to find all these. Um, you know, he, he never ceases to be entertaining, never ceases to be interesting. Uh, you know, with that many tunes, you know, do you, this is kind of inside baseball for songwriter stuff, but do you have set lists when you go on stage to play a show with that many songs? Like, do you have to focus down? You know, I've got this whole thing, you know, I love to play around campfires, uh, you know, or parties or when, you know, where, wherever I am in the world. But it's like, there's that thing where I get on stage and all of a sudden I've forgotten what songs I can play, even though I know hundreds of yeah. songs. So, I mean, I've, I feel like I have to make a song list just to keep myself focused and not distracted sure. so I remember to play what I want yeah. to play. Usually I have a set list of some kind. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, it'll be, I'll just play exactly what I wrote down and sometimes you're a little bit more like Peyton Manning maybe, you know. You go up there and you're changing, yeah. changing stuff up at the line and... and Telling that guy to go over there, and um, you know it's it's, <laughs> yeah. and I suppose too, um, if you're playing by yourself, there's it's a little more loose as far as that goes. The, if you're playing, it depends on the band. If you're playing with guys you you know you haven't played with that much and you rehearsed a set, then you play that set. And if you play with guys you played with a lot and they know tons yeah. of your songs, that gives you again kind of freedom to. Um, to go yeah. off, but uh, you know, for sure, it helps to have some kind of focus and some kind of idea what you want to do, and at least some kind of idea of the, you know, the shapes, I guess. So let's see here. So let's talk a little bit about you know, a few years ago, you got the opportunity to kind of uh, write a lot of tunes for a movie, which is Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story, which is almost like uh, it's kind of like a farcical biopic. Like, how did you get that gig? Well, I had. I was buddies with Jake Kasdan, whose uh, first movie was Zero Effect, and I'd written the song that they used for the end titles at that time. Um, and so I knew Jake, and when he was getting ready uh, to write Walk Hard, or, yeah, to even write it uh, before it was written and and everything, uh, I think there was a, a number of songwriters that he talked to about it and I was one of those and so I at that point I just kind of put everything else aside and write, started writing Dewey Cox songs because it was yeah it was perfect gig how long was that process a couple years my goodness okay so that was a big deal you must have written quite a few songs then because if is at the rate that you write them man that's probably I don't know 400 songs maybe in a couple I years. think I wrote a couple hundred I think I wrote a couple hundred Dewey Cox songs um the last part of that process for me was when I teamed up with a, another songwriter who had b been writing Dewey songs for a while, 
as well um, named Mike Viola. And we together then wrote a bunch of songs that wound up in the movie too. Yeah. And that was, uh, that was, that's a great um, partnership and he became a great friend. And, uh, and we also wrote a bunch of songs for Get Him to the Greek after that. Yeah. And you also contributed to uh, Man from Plains, which is the Jimmy Carter uh, documentary. It's a, it's a good soundtrack, man. That's right. Yeah. But let's let's shift gears. Just one thing. I want to ask you one more question, and then I'd love. It's cool. I'd love you to play one more tune before we run out of time. Which is, you know, you've been at this a pretty good while, and there have been a lot of changes in the business since you started making music. You know, for you personally, you know, how has technology changed what you do? Or how have you watched it change? Or give me a, maybe a personal anecdote about a way that they used to be that isn't anymore. Well, I mean, I suppose the the most positive thing is like I can do a I can I can make a record on a Friday and have it reach people on a Monday. Yeah, you know that's crazy. I mean, uh, you know, in in some time of yore, you couldn't even get it to a to a manufacturing place from a yeah. Friday to a Monday. And now it's like whoever wants to have it has it. So yeah, if you're, especially if you some, from time to time do things fast and on the fly, that's, um, you couldn't do that before. So tell me this, where, you know, where's the best place for people to get Hanukkah songs? You know, maybe it can be their last gift for the last night of Hanukkah for somebody. Where can people get Hanukkah songs? Well, if you go to my website, that's the com. Yeah, there's a little menorah there. You can click on that and that'll shoot you right to where you can um, download it. Or just, if you just want to listen to them, you can do that yeah. too. It's on the iTunes as well? I believe it's on iTunes now. Uh, it's on Bandcamp. So yeah, there's a lot of sideways deals. I remember every now and again, you know, I get the money from internet songs, you know, sales of my songs, and sometimes I'll get money from a website that I didn't know I was on because if you get in, you know, CD Baby is very, very good about that. You know, once you've got your song on CD Baby, they will kind of they have sideways deals with a lot of different distributors. So I'll get the like statement that has the 400. <laughs> one cent payments <laughs> from some website that I don't know what it is and I'm just thankful yeah. I don't have Isn't to Isn't it nice though? It's it is nice, nice to get a check from you don't even know what it's from. It's, it's nice better to get, than a bill. Yeah, totally. It's nice even you know even the $4, you know, uh is as jokey as that sounds, you know. I earned something with the music and it's good. Hey. You know, remember when your first nickel that you made busking? How did that feel? That felt like a million dollars. Dan, I still have a dollar eighty-six in my guitar case that I carry around. It's been in that <laughs> guitar case for over twenty years that I made busking the first time I made money playing music. It's like this is the beginning. This is how it starts. Now, you know, that's amazing. I, I would have bought candy right away. <laughs> uh, we've got enough time for about one more tune, Dan. What have you got for us? Well, do a. A, a farewell song called Baby Bye Bye. And how old is this? Oh, this goes back a ways. This, this has earned its stripes. Yeah, those some songs kind of hang around and they, they become part of your permanent repertoire. So let's hear this, man. Dan Byrne on Independence Day. All right. Listening to the big guy's new CD Laying in bed One is produced 
answer things he never should have made But it gets me gone, gets me into the shower What a shot to be awake at this early hour And you're gone, it was time to fly Ain't all that's left is the fact we tried So thanks for the tunes and thanks for the time you're gone now, baby, bye-bye Them guys from Orange County, man, do they wear Shakes my brain and it shakes my tape New girl on top of me, will this work out? I retreat to the kitchen and sort it all out And you're gone It was time to fly Ain't all that's left Is the fact we tried So thanks for the tunes And thanks for the time You're gone now Baby, bye-bye You left your keys on the table This disc was left down the sun It's warped and it's hissing Can't place the voice And the insert's missing I turn off the phones If you don't call, it's alright Maybe I won't listen To nothing tonight And you're gone It was time to fly And all that's left so thanks for the tunes And thanks for the time You're gone now, baby, bye-bye You're gone now, baby, bye-bye Once again, happy Hanukkah, everyone. That's Dan Byrne. Not a song from his most recent record, but there is a recent record you can buy called Hanukkah Songs. It's on his website, danburn.com. He's got gigs coming up, uh, mostly East Coast gigs for the time being. Uh, Just tomorrow night, you're playing Jammin' Java, Vienna, Virginia. That's at 8 o'clock. You're in Cambridge, Massachusetts on the 11th, down in or up in Providence, Rhode Island on the 12th, Kingston, New York on the 13th, and in Piermont, New York at the Turning Point Cafe on the 22nd of December. And then, are you coming back to L.A. sometime soon, man? We'd love to have you play some shows out here again. Yeah, I think um, I'll be out there shortly after the first of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I'll be out there all spring pretty much. All right, good. Well, welcome welcome back to the warm weather, or at least in advance. I love it. That's one thing I love about here, man. Christmas isn't, you know, the holidays aren't the same, but uh, I do love the weather. Put on my Christmas lights just last night yeah. and wearing sandals. I want everyone to know who does not live in Los Angeles. So learn about Dan Byrne at danburn.com. Man, I hope the sales, I hope you sell a million copies of your Hanukkah record, and I think everyone should buy it. You know, drop by facebook.com slash dan.burn. And uh, Dan, thank you for taking the time out today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll do it again. It's my pleasure. So thanks to Dan Byrne, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Happy Hanukkah, and please be good to one another.